Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, yo, yo! Yow! What is going on? My name's Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC Mode. Tuesday to the KC Morning Hoes. Tuesdays, you know what we do on this show. Tuesdays, we take back America. Myself and Professor Harvey K. he is a professor emeritus over at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, reclaiming that radical, progressive history of America. And by the way, radical and reactionary are not the same thing. Radical. That's a good thing, baby. We built, this country was built on a bunch of radicals, baby. The wannabe authoritarians you see today, AKA the Republicans you see today, those are reactionaries and don't get it twisted. And I would argue that it actually is kind of a big deal. And you know what else is a big deal? Election day, which is two weeks from today, November 8th. And on the show today, as we get ready for those midterm elections, we hang fireside with FDR President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of those fireside chats. This was election day eve of 1938. I love it. And I think we need this one. I think we absolutely need this one. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do, Kansas City. I love you. Back in your feeds tomorrow. It is a good day. A damn good day to be a Kansas Cityan. We'll see ya in the morning. Bye. That creed, a creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. The KC Morning Show. January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Cityans must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Professor Harvey K., my brother. He is the professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. This beautiful fall weather is just working wonders on you. You look gorgeous, my beautiful progressive patriot. How are you? I'm all the better for seeing you, Hartzell. I don't think people quite appreciate the bond that you and I have. My Packers are losing and you feel for me. Your Chiefs are winning and I'm just jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Can you recite that tweet you did after that Packers loss? Again, I don't want to laugh at your pain. But I said, fellow Packer fans, have a beer, burp loudly, and face it, it's not our year. <laughs> so Harvey, you got to do us a favor. Paint us that picture. What is What does fall look like in Green Bay right around now? It's late October, Halloween season. Okay, a week ago was the peak. You know, a fair bit of green still, but yellow, gold, orange, and red. And I can tell you it was absolutely gorgeous. And then 
you know, as days go on, it starts to fade. We're not in the post peak yet. We're getting there. But today, sometimes when it's actually cloudy outside, maybe even threatening rain, the leaves that are so bright, the golds and the oranges, they just literally explode to the point where you imagine that that if I open the windows, in spite of it being dark outside, the golds and the orange would be like iridescent or shining. It, it was that beautiful. This was a gorgeous autumn here. Absolutely a gorgeous autumn. And it's still probably going to be pretty nice, maybe right through into the first week of November, though I'll be in St. Louis this coming weekend, as you know. I love every time you send me those photos. So please keep doing that. Y'all have been spoiled this season. It's been gorgeous. Yeah, the only problem is when the it looks that good, you want to eat a lot. <laughs> you want to go have pumpkin cheesecake ice cream or pumpkin pie or donuts. You know, you want it, you want to do all that stuff. So it's a bit, you know, challenging not to lose control of oneself. You gave me an easy target there, Harvey. What have you been indulging in? This will surprise you and listeners, and I hope that doesn't upset them because it may be shocking to their tastes. But in order not to be tempted to go heavily in that direction, I've been eating a fair bit of sort of Japanese food because that takes you away from, you don't think of pumpkin pie if you're having Japanese food. No. So like today for lunch, walked over to the store and I bought myself squid salad. Oh, so good. It's very high in protein and very low in carbs. And then what I do after I do that to sweeten up my mouth, I then open up the fridge and I grab a relevant ice cream. So for example, I pulled out the last of the key lime pie ice cream and just put in the spoon and finished off the bottom of the container. And it was just fantastic. But I do have a container of pumpkin ice cream waiting to be eaten. And, you know, there are times where I say to myself, oh, hell, maybe just a meal of a pumpkin pie, you know? <laughs> Well, Harvey K, go ahead and save that energy because we might need it here in a couple weeks because we're dropping this on Tuesday. Every Tuesday on this, your KC Morning Show, we take back America. It's what we do. Reclaiming that radical progressive history of America. We are two weeks to the day out from Election Day, midterms, 2022. We thought we had spent, well, we spent almost the whole academic year, though neither one of us was academic. Well, hold on. Let's be specific. FDR month on this show, Harvey, took us eight months. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. And we're going back to FDR. And we're going to talk about and recite pretty short radio address that he gave on November 4th, 1938, on the eve of Election Day. And that was a year in which FDR went all out and didn't succeed as much as he would have liked to in purging the Democratic Party of reactionaries. He went down to Georgia and he called out the hardcore white supremacists and property owners as basically not unlike fascists. He went and gave an address before the American people. Well, he did it for a message to Congress in which he called out the unequal ownership, the concentration of wealth and power as threatening fascism. And he was really going all out in that year. And in this speech, the night before Election Day, it's a matter of him calling on Americans to make sure they vote and decidedly to make sure they vote for liberals, what we would today call progressives or even social Democrats. And I can tell you that this is a speech that I actually think has one of the most fascinating paragraphs within it, which I'll be reading. And then it has FDR. So I want to give people a heads up. It then has FDR recalling something he said two years earlier in 1936. And he really used an exaggerated voice to make his point. And that I'm handing over to you since you're the exaggerator. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding about that. <laughs> now you're the performer even more than I. 
So I figured that's for you to do, okay? As we begin, I'll just tell everyone, this was a radio address on the eve of elections, 1938, the midterm elections. Keep in mind, one of the reasons we're doing this tonight is that we're on the eve, two weeks from now, the midterm elections, 2022. Let's be honest, we hope every Democrat turns out to vote, carries out a commitment to trying to block fascism coming to America. We hope that Republicans decide that they want to stay home and watch the tape of Monday Night Football on <laughs> Tuesday. Okay, so let's repeat. The radio address in favor of voting for liberals delivered from Hyde Park, New York, November 4th, 1938. That is the night before Election Day when FDR was eager to see progressive victories. And I have to tell everyone, he was especially concerned because in the course of that year, something had happened in Congress that was very disconcerting to his politics. And what had happened was Republicans and Southern Democrats, the white supremacist Democrats, created a kind of conservative coalition to block radical and progressive New Deal initiatives. That is, the Northerners, Republican pro-business folks, did not want labor to be empowered any more than they were in the wake of the National Labor Relations Act and the Fair Labor Standards Act. And the Southern Democrats agreed with them, keep labor from having any additional power and rights. And moreover, one of the reasons that they feared is that although people are very critical of FDR really failing to address segregation in the South directly, the fact was most conservatives feared, especially the white supremacists in the South, feared that he was on the verge of going after that kind of inequality. And in any case, the stronger labor became, whatever the division between black and white workers, that would represent a threat to segregation. So FDR had gone south, you may recall from a previous episode, into Georgia and actually called out the political regime in Georgia as fascist. And I'll also add he called out the concentration of wealth and power in the hands of a few people, the richest folks in America who controlled industrial monopolies. He called them out as threatening fascism. So this to him was important. You've got to go out and vote and you've got to vote progressively. So Hartzell, why don't you take it away? My friends, on the eve of another election, I have come home to Hyde Park and I'm sitting at my own fireside in my own election district, my own county, and my own state. I have often expressed my feeling that the mere fact that I am president should not disqualify me from expressing as a citizen my views on candidates and issues in my own state. Democracy, in order to live, must become a positive force in the daily lives of its people. It must make men and women whose devotion it seeks, feel that it really cares for the security of every individual, that it is tolerant enough to inspire an essential unity among its citizens, and that it is militant enough to maintain liberty against social oppression at home and against military aggression abroad. The rest of the world is far closer to us in every way than in the days of democracy's founders, Jefferson, Jackson, and Lincoln. Comparisons in this world are unavoidable. To disprove the pretenses of rival systems, democracy must be an affirmative, up-to-date conception. It can no longer be negative, no longer adopt a defeatist attitude. In these tense and dangerous situations in the world, democracy will save itself with the average man and woman by proving itself worth saving. Too many of those who prate about saving democracy are really only interested in saving things as they were. Democracy should concern itself also with things as they ought to be. 
I'm not talking mere idealism. I'm expressing realistic necessity. I reject the merely negative purposes proposed by old line Republicans and communists alike. For they are people whose only purpose is to survive against any other fascist threat than their own. As of today, fascism and communism, and I want to sidebar this as Harvey speaking. This is the paragraph that I think is so powerful. So I really want to start again, and everyone should listen closely. As of today, fascism and communism and old line Tory republicanism are not threats to the continuation of our form of government. But I venture the challenging statement that if American democracy ceases to move forward as a living force, seeking day and night by peaceful means to better the lot of our citizens, then fascism and communism, aided unconsciously perhaps by old line Tory republicanism, will grow in strength in our land. Those words of FDR, I know I'm sidebarring here, those words of FDR should have been read every single day by progressives on their YouTube shows, their podcasts, and indeed in every venue imaginable. And in the Oval Office. And in the Oval Office, you bet. So now to continue, there is no doubt of the basic desires of the American people. And because these basic desires are well known, you find all parties, all candidates making the same general promises to satisfy those desires. During the weeks before a general election, all parties are the friends of labor. All parties are against monopoly. All parties say that the unemployed must have work or be given government relief. And all parties love the farmer. Let me warn you now, as I warned you two years ago, against the type of smooth evasion which says, Of course, we believe all these things. We believe in social security. We believe in work for the unemployed. We believe in saving homes. Cross our hearts and hope to die. We believe in all these things, but we do not like the way the present administration is doing them. Just turn them over to us. We will do all of them. We will do more of them. We will do them better. And most important of all, the doing of them will not cost anybody anything. That is so great, Hearts. Now back to FDR myself. But when democracy struggles for its very life, those same people obstruct our efforts to maintain it while they fail to offer proof of their own will and their own plans to preserve it. They try to stop the only fire engine we have from rushing to the fire because they are sales agents for a different make of fire engine. Look over the rest of the names on the ballot next Tuesday. Pick those who are known for their experience and their liberalism. Pick them for what they have done, and not just for what they say they might do. And one last but important word. Pick them without regard to race, color, or creed. Some of them may have come of the earliest colonial stock. Some of them may have been brought here as children to escape the tyrannies of the old world. But remember that all of them are good American citizens now. Remember that the fathers of the American Revolution represented many religions and came from many foreign lands. Remember that no matter what their origin, they all agreed with Ben Franklin. We must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Professor Harvey K., I can't believe that we missed this one during our eight months of FDR. This is now 
one of my all-time favorites. And as somebody who grew up with Santa Claus, this is the election day version of, you know, the night before Christmas. You know, we should read this before every election day. Absolutely. And I do want to add that I had a feeling we had done it, but I think what it is is that we just read the one paragraph that I thought was so powerful. In the end, as I think about it, we didn't go through this. I'm, I'm pretty sure we did not go through this whole speech. Really glad that I said to you, hey, let's do this one. Oh, by the way, by the way, just so people know how you and I work, there is that other speech that I said, wow, it'd be great if we could go back to it. His campaign speech in Cleveland, Ohio in 1940. You know, boost our spirits. Maybe we can do that the night before the election this year. Professor K, how is the new edition doing of the book? Um, I don't know. People wondering what he's referring to, what Hartzell's referring to. My very first book that came out in the winter of 1984-85, basically I wrote it 40 years ago, it came out 38 years ago, was titled The British Marxist Historians. And I know that we'll be getting to that soon after the elections, because we, we may need a real radical pick-me-up then. It's a book about the historians who taught us how to recognize how class struggle shapes history and how working people pursue those class struggles from the bottom up and thus are participants in the making of history. Anyhow, I think it's doing okay. I just don't know. I mean, it's probably selling better over in Britain right now than it is here in the States. But if anyone's interested, you can check it out at the John Hunt Publishing website. The imprint is Zero Books. If you go to my Twitter page, RVJK, or at Harvey JK. It is my pinned tweet. Click on that. It'll take you to the publisher's site where you can order it. If you want to order it from a bookstore on the left, Red Emma's, where is that? Baltimore, I guess. Yeah, in Baltimore, Maryland. Good left bookstore. Otherwise, McNally Jackson. You can buy it at any good bookstore. Powell's, you know, out in Oregon or online. If people by any chance are in England listening to this, you've got a whole host of bookstores. You know how to get it, okay? <laughs> You're much too humble and much too modest, but the British Marxist historian, my friends, is a quintessential work from Professor Harvey J.K., not just a quintessential work of his, but like of British Marxist history. So please go check it out. We're going to be talking all about it. And honestly, I'm mostly excited, not just to dive in, of course, but the behind the scenes, you said some of these stories you got by hanging out with these historians. I mean, that's goosebump stuff. Yeah, I, I could talk a lot about those. You bet. May have to do over a couple of couple of our episodes. Maybe the unofficial companion guide or the official. You are the author, so I guess it's the official. What am I saying? <laughs> In fact, for the fun of it, instead of calling it Take Back America, we'll call the other episodes Take Back Britain. Professor K, where can folks find you on the Twitter? Again, it's at Harvey J.K. H-A-R-V-E-Y. J as in the initial J, K-A-Y-E. And you, Hartzell, how can they reach you? They can get me at Hartzell965. They get this show, The KC Morning Show, at KC Morning Show on Twitter, The KC Morning Show on Insta. Yeah, and meanwhile, everyone should remember, this Friday evening at dinner or in the backyard of the barbecue, whatever it may be, you raise a glass and toast. Happy birthday, Hartzell. Uh, I love you all. I love you, Harvey J.K., my brother, the professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. We take back America, my brother. Let's take back America. You bet.
I'll flow on I'll flow on You're listening to the KC Morning Show